1: Good,
0: Jeremy. How about yourself?
1: Oh, doing good. Kind of a little. It feels off recording on a Wednesday, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, and that's because you got a little road trip coming up.
0: Yeah, a little bit.
1: Yeah. How far is it to Illinois from your place?
0: Not very far. You know, eight nine hours.
1: Oh, okay. You guys do that in one shot, or are you gonna like you have a You doing like a little like like couple stops or seeing anything along the way, or just get there?
0: I don't know. I'm not in charge. Yeah, I, just, I hear you. Yeah, you know, we're gonna go see my wife's friends. So,
1: oh, cool. Yeah. Right on.
0: I mean, they're mine too. Don't get me wrong, but
1: yeah, they're hers. Yeah. yeah. Now I got a question: Is this a road trip this time of year? Is it gonna be uh, what what's the foliage gonna be like? Is it gonna be really nice fall colors or not yet?
0: It'll be pretty going through Tennessee, then Kentucky. Once I hit Illinois, ugly.
1: Yeah, huh, no, I asked cause, uh, I was out for a motorbike ride yesterday, uh, had to pick up some stuff and man, we've got like the best fall colors that we've had in a long time cause we had some rain at the, at the end of summer. And, and so things are holding on longer. The trees aren't as dry. Oh man. it just remind me of the the best I've ever had we were in Eagle, Colorado. And uh, my wife and I had our motorbikes there and we'd like ride up to Steamboat Springs, you know, on a Saturday and, uh, you know, all around Vale and, and all those places there. There's some of these roads, especially when you kind of come down a little bit into the valleys that were all, oh, they would, it was incredible. I wish I had was like into taking pictures back then because like just beautiful reds, oranges and yellows and just, oh, it's just phenomenal. It's, uh, fall is by far my favorite time of year. I just wish it lasted a little longer.
0: It used to be my favorite time of year until I started riding motorcycles back in the day. Nothing ruins fall, bike ride like wet leaves all over the road.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like Super Mario Kart and a banana. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, hey? It is funny, I uh, actually put my bike down, I think the first time I crashed my motorbike was in when we were in Eagle, Colorado. Um but it was a combination of a few things i think is because i i went to a harder compound on my bike and it was at the airport and they just put a new road coming to the airport so it was like brand new asphalt and then it had just rained and it was just starting to rain so not like it was coming down but you, you know the roads are slipperier right in the first like couple minutes of, of rain right yeah Cause it kind of it doesn't have a chance to wash the oils away and the water kind of mixes with any oil that may have dripped from vehicles oh, yeah. oh man this thing like i went to give it some gas wasn't going hard and my back tire just went and i did a 180 and i was on my the bike landed on me i was like wow it happened like that and I, like i said i wasn't even doing anything i wasn't quartering i was just going to take off and turn my motorbike and out she went yeah it's not fun you ever put motorbikes down
0: one once uh and it was on uh a beautiful day sticky tires sticky road um just some person when the dump truck had gone by and the you know he was 24 hours and put like sand trap sand across the road really just a little sprinkling of it oh you know where they had crossed the road uh on another road right yeah And that road was on a corner and uphill corner so as soon as i i was one of three that went down
2: oh wow uh,
0: and we weren't going fast we weren't it's just you know the right yeah the right degree of lean yep and that it didn't help to that um Twelve hundred sports drag was so torquey it was not even funny.
1: Yeah, those things are torque monsters. Hey,
0: well, this one was more so than normal. After really? all the work I'd done with it, and I was idling, trying to downshift. Well, I was, uh, so I was using the compression of the engine to slow down, and it still. Mm. Whoop! Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know I it just slid off the surface of the road. And then stopped. It wasn't like.
1: Yeah, not a major wreck.
0: I don't. I don't. I just barely scratched a peg in the rubber on the end of the handlebar.
1: Oh, wow. That's getting away with it.
0: Because some guy was like, oh, I can't believe you didn't drop it on your leg. Yeah, I'm not new.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: My leg doesn't Uh like getting things that heavy you Know dropped on it so it it yeah. it moved
1: that heavy and that hot, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it was falling on my left side, so no pipes,
1: yeah, okay, yeah, um, man, I, I had a weird thing happen, and it's, it's kind of funny because it, was, it was, I'm glad it happened because it makes you realize that you know, riding a motorcycle is not really intuitive, you know, um, anyway, anyways, so I was uh riding my bike coming back this was probably two weeks ago and on my bike I, I put this different fuel tank on in a Cheruby's plastic fuel tank and it's got the little uh, breather that comes out of the cap so it's a little tiny hose and then there's this little aluminum it's anodized black and it sits on top there and just allows the tank to breathe and then prevents any splash out from happening and uh, anyways I was uh, adjusting my my pants kind of like putting pulling them down a little bit and as I brought my hand back up to the bar I kind of went over my gas tank, and I flipped this little thing off, and it fell off r- while I'm riding. And I'm like, "Oh man, I need," and I don't know why. Somehow I panicked. I was like, "Oh," and I I felt like, "Oh, this is really bad." <laughs> Instead of being like, "Ah, oh, you know what? I'm gonna just pull over and, and go back and get it," because this highway was dead. There's no vehicles around at all. And I'm like, oh, and so, and instantly, I just tried braking as hard as I could, and I just pulled in the clutch, and I dumped some gears, and then I let the clutch out again and it ended up uh like you said that engine braking and i locked up my back tire and i couldn't get it unlocked and i was like what's going on and then my bike stalls and so my bike's not running and i'm just doing this big huge black skid <laughs> and then it starts going sideways and i'm like go oh, oh oh and i didn't think about it but i pulled in the clutch and everything was fine i was almost at a complete stop at that point but it was so weird because and then when when i stopped i'm just sitting there i'm like okay why why did my bike stall like what just happened here it was amazing how fast it all went down. I probably left, I don't know. It had to have been at least 50 feet, maybe like a hundred foot long black skid. Just, and uh, I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, I panicked because this little thing came off, like no threat whatsoever. The worst thing that could ever happen is maybe a little splash of fuel comes out when the tank's full here and there. But for some reason that caused the reaction in me that I i essentially lost—I lost control of my motorcycle. You know, I mean, it stayed upright and everything. There's nobody around, but it's uh, that made me think, I was like, what the heck? You know, I, I consider myself an experienced motorcyclist. I mean, obviously I haven't ridden for a lot of years, so, and I don't, it's not like I'm riding motocross all the time, but man, it's, it's crazy. And I always tell the boys, if they ever want to get street bikes, you know, their motocross they're doing now is going to serve them because they'll understand. Oh, if you're ever in a panic situation, you know what to do. <laughs> well, I didn't. <laughs> Oh, it was crazy, man. I'm glad I didn't put it down.
0: We were riding with a, a group on, on a poker run and the guy right in front of the tail gunner just went down. We're on a straight going hmm. about 60. And he just lays his bike over. We're like, what the hell? And he oh, luckily the bike was hurt, he wasn't. Hmm. You know? I had a couple of scratches, but, uh, and how, I don't know, because he had, you know, a short sleeve t-shirt, leather vest, you know, a skull cap, help, you know, yeah. not much protection, but, it, you know, his fat didn't scrape apparently, so. Huh. Um, and then, you know, we're all like, what happened? He's like, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know. But then when everybody else wasn't standing there, that just two or three of us, that were his friend. He's like, I can't believe I did that. Oh, what happened? I wanted to you know, I wanna see what time it was. So I just, you know, do like you do when you mm-hmm. um check your watch. Yeah. I just didn't take my hand off the handlebar. <laughs> I forgot my hand was on the handlebar.
1: <laughs> oh man, that's funny. <laughs> that's-
0: and then his oldest friend that was that was riding with us. From childhood, and this guy was in his 50s, uh, just said, asshole, and yeah. he deserved it.
1: A, oh, it's dumb o'clock. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's you know, great. find
0: out what time it is? <laughs> yeah, it was 2.15. No, it's time for a new
3: bike.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: <laughs> oh, the time jokes never stopped after that.
1: Oh, I bet. <laughs> And then those that weren't right in that small group were wondering what's the, what are all these time jokes, hey?
0: Oh Lord! At the meeting the following week, it was like, or the month following month, it was like, uh, <laughs> hey, what time is? Don't ask Larry;
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> he'll wreck the building. You know.
1: Just, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh yeah.
0: Oh, and the the salesman that sold him the next bike was on the ride with us. And you know, he was looking at was one particular bike. Um, like a heritage. Yeah, I can't say you that one. What do you mean? It's what I want. And it doesn't come with a dash clock. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's funny. Poor guy suffers for years, hey?
0: Oh, I I hope he's still suffering for it. Yeah. Because he lived.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's funny. No
0: injuries, he lived, it's all good, and you just did something so incredibly stupid.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen, uh, I was wondering when you said he went down, I was like, have you seen videos on the Dyna, the Wide Glide Wiggles they call them?
0: No. I've heard of them. I haven't seen it. I've never experienced them, but.
1: Yeah, my dad's almost put his down. But yeah, and so I was watching a video by FortNine, a YouTube channel and a retailer here in Canada. Um, and so they say it's, it has to do with the fact that, well, first of all, the frames in a Harley aren't super stiff, right? You're not racing. They're not. But with the the Dyna having a rubber-mounted engine and the way they had to make it, give it clearance to vibrate when it's idling, they just kind of, basically the engines, they, the, or the frames have been oversized for that bike for the Dyna and it makes them softer essentially, right? You got longer runs of tubing and then they said with the dual rear sus- uh, suspension. The, the, the reason people say that happens is because if you've got two shocks on the back of a, of a motorcycle, you'll never get the exact same suspension out of each one of them, right? Like one spring is always going to be just the slightest bit stiffer than the other. And they're both going to have slightly different characteristics. And they say, when you couple that with the oversized, very flexible frame, um, it's crazy. Like they say, it's almost like they say people that try to replicate it, they're doing a bunch of research on it and they would take, and they said almost all of the dinas they could make a wobble happen if they tried enough going down the road and stuff. And man, you see these videos, these guys just go and all of a sudden starts happening. Like my dad's almost put his bike down before, um. And they say it's just crazy, like, like how how on earth does this still happen? How can Harley still get away with this? Well, and I mean, not get away with it, but
0: I'll tell you, here's how I look at it: is kind of <clears throat> I will equate it to that <clears throat> the six hour uh, P320 drop test thing. Uh, I
3: don't know number about one,
0: that. A, uh, a striker fired pistol is not meant to be fired with a hammer, literal hammer hitting it on the back of the pistol. If you try hard enough, you can make anything fail in a way it wasn't engineered to prevent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if, if it happens like a freak occurrence, and I, I'm aware of the harmonic imbalance that can, you know, cause the wide glide wiggles, I just haven't actually seen it. I'm aware yeah. of it. But, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and one of the, the first thing I did on mine was change the rubber mount from the engines to a, it's a harder phenolic resin rubber composite. Mm -hmm. Uh, and new pipes, uh, change the, uh, fluid in the forks to a heavier viscosity. You know, I did some things Mm -hmm. that I was going to do anyway, and I never had a problem with it, but not saying that I wouldn't have if I'd have kept it another week or another month or another year. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just had done some things because uh, it's all about, you know, engineering profit into any kind of product you make. So everything could be better. It would just cost you twice as much.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, therefore no one would buy it. So everything's a compromise. Yep. You know,
1: yeah, it's the old, uh, the triangle. I always like this one. The, the guy I used to work with always would tell us, you know, you take a, you draw a triangle at each point, you write a different word. You've got quality, time, and price. Pick two.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't have a, a bike like a Harley. Everybody wants it to vibrate. Oh, yeah. man, I want my bike to vibrate. You can't have that much vibration on a package that small without something, leaking breaking or shaking
2: mm-hmm.
0: you mm-hmm. know you can't have it both ways people if you want it to you know be 100 percent reliable it needs to be as quiet and smooth as a honda
1: mm-hmm.
0: if it shakes and as loud as a harley guess what
1: you know, yeah exactly
0: you know set some money aside per pm
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that's true That's one thing they say with the dr 652 my bike is that um they say if there's a bolt, it needs Loctite. Because <laughs> it's a thumper, right? It's just a single cylinder. Loctite and...
0: by Meg weld.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't had any problems, but some people are like, oh, every, if, if it's on there and it's not Loctite down, it's going to come off. I'm like, I don't know. But
0: <laughs> I had one of the bolts on the first uh, Sportster I had. It shook green Loctite loose.
1: Is green stronger than red?
0: Oh yeah. Green's the the stuff well, that um it's the uh bearing seat stuff. So yeah it's oh for shaft retention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty strong. And uh huh. it it shook that loose and I'm like, there's just something wrong here. Yeah. And I had bought that bike uh it was technically used, but it had never really left the dealership. It was hmm. uh uh a guy, the owner's nephew or son, one on the bike, had done a lot of work on the bike, but had never really ridden it away from the dealer.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: I didn't ask the story. I got a screaming deal on it. Huh. Knowing that it needed one thing before, you know, uh, I don't know what his taste in pipes were. Um, that's right. He didn't have any, but mm. Yeah, Um, I had to get that off of there because it looked dumb on that bike. Anyway,
3: uh,
0: uh, he had put the wrong uh, mount or adapter plate, and once I figured that out, oh, this is the the wrong thing. It's for a completely different brand of bike, much less Harley. but
3: uh, yeah. got the,
0: the right Harley plate, put it on, just plain old blue Loctite. It worked just fine.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, like, I've, uh, there's a, been a few times we were doing stuff at, uh, you know, like for carousels at an airport, right? I mean, the, all those, uh the, all those different components ride around on wheels and the wheels are all bolted in in various ways and stuff. And if one of those came undone, it'd be terrible, right? Cause you've got this, you know, this big piece of equipment and something starts piling up and you've got all these other sections of it. We called them flights. You know, if it was a sloped plate carousel. And so there's these one wheels that we would always do with a red Loctite and man, I've, it depends on the size of the fastener and obviously I guess the quality too. Like I, I these were all supposed to be grade five bolts. Uh, but man, I've, I've put that stuff on and then sometimes you have to get it off and you can't undo that fastener without like galling the threads majorly. Like that red Loctite is crazy stuff. It, it's to the point where it's like, I, I always told myself don't ever, ever use red Loctite unless you can't weld, like you say, like if you're going to weld some, a nut, a bolt in, then do that, or red Loctite, about the same thing, because it's a permanent solution in my mind. But I like the blue Loctite; I use that regularly.
0: I used, I, just, <clears throat> I had uh, a guy wanted me to work on his, uh, one of his rifles, and about two thousand eight ish, and uh, I'm like, what in the world? This thing will not come off. It will not. This one of the fasteners. Will not come off. Will not come off. And I, and I don't want to hurt anything. Yeah. I finally asked him, I said, you know, did you install this? He's like, oh, yeah. You know, I put that on with red Loctite. <laughs> I just gave it back to him because it was an aluminum nut on oh, a wow. steel thread. I'm like, yeah. it's permanent now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not taking that off.
2: Yeah. Why?
0: Because... The nut will spin off, but all of the threads, internal and external, will still be on.
1: Yeah, I that, guess. but Probably a lot of finesse for doing gunsmithing, eh? Because, like, a lot of those yeah. screws and stuff, I mean, they're visible. And, you know, a lot and of them I have couldn't been...
0: put a lot of heat. I tried a little bit, but the amount of heat it would take to do what needed to be done. Yeah. There was... it That retaining nut was holding on some really expensive uh wood and i'm like yeah i'm not doing that yeah. yeah i can't replace that piece of wood for the price of the gun yeah. today right yeah i just can't do it and
1: yeah that's the thing with 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 working on guns i never really thought about it, is that they have to look good right
0: not all but some if they're meant to look good you know this but, was a, yeah
1: even just know. a plain one though like if it's just a like a black finish anodine or whatever they do, yeah. or blued or something. I mean, you go and treat that like you do something that's under the hood of your car and you're going to, even a flathead, like a slot screw, You know, if you're not careful, man, you, you take the finish off and it looks terrible. Well, that, Just on it, the inside it, of the slot.
0: Nowadays it takes, uh, it costs more money to be a quality gunsmith, and particularly with finishing and refinishing, mm-hmm. than you can make. Oh, wow. Because the chemicals are outrageous. Uh, depending on what state and city and county you're in, you know, environmental taxes and fines and whatever. Oh, wow. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, like some of the, st- uh, and anodizing uh, is an art. Yeah. It's, if there was alchemy, it's it's that, you know
1: yeah um have you ever tried it
0: yes didn't work out that well but that was my first time so
1: yeah i'm, I'm sure if so i curious. did it
0: you know and now i have the space and i'm out in the middle of nowhere where i don't have to worry about you know the the gum looking in on me
1: yeah yeah why is it do you use like harsh chemicals or
0: if you're gonna do it for a business
1: oh, okay yeah yeah
0: but uh no and i have the space now and uh, I could get an actual anodizing setup instead of home brewing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've I've looked into like doing home brew stuff, and uh, oh, there's this one knife maker I follow. I forget what his name. Oh, I actually don't follow him. I just check up on him sometimes. I'm gonna start following more people on my simple life account, I think. But um, Tendick knives or Tendick something. I'm not sure. Uh, I think he's in Washington State somewhere, but. He does a lot of titanium and he makes really nice, nice, uh, very Japanese influenced, like all of his knives. So he'll do like, you know, quakens and every knife you can tell it's like a tonto or something that's of a Japanese influence. And then he also messes around with like uh, really cool titanium spatulas. And so he'll actually, you know, he'll cut out the titanium, makes really nice like metal spatulas out of titanium. And then he'll anodize them different colors. And uh, he did this new thing where he takes a... A rod of titanium I would say it's probably like an inch diameter and then he kind of I don't know how he etched it if he has a like a really like a laser engrave or something but he made it look like a stack of quarters and I think the idea is you put it in your hand when you're gonna punch somebody like a self-defense weapon I forget ah. what he calls them but yeah and, and so you see him there on Instagram no oh, okay but. but yeah no he has some cool stuff but I, and I'm, I, I thought he had started just doing the homebrew anodizing And like he'll do, um, you know when they do the Japanese handle wrapped and they'll put that gem in there, whatever they call that. There's usually like a little, some little memento. Yeah. So he'll make his own. He'll, you know, carve one out of titanium, put a little design in it, and then he'll anodize it. And when I saw him doing that, I was like, man, it'd be kind of neat to get into anodizing. Um, Although I just don't work with titanium and I don't really have any desire to work with titanium, but it's a pain in the butt. And then also copper coating I thought would be neat. I've seen people do like copper washes on their knives. I thought that looked cool.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I did some testing with uh, like uh, bluing screws.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The that deep dark royal yeah. purple and yep. royal blue, and I did. A piece of titanium, but to get into that, man, titanium is expensive.
1: Oh, yeah. Super. And everything you do to it sucks.
0: I have a a line on a piece of Inconel. Actually, three pieces of Inconel. I don't think they know that. I don't think the person who's selling it knows what it is. Yeah. But you can clearly see that it's Inconel because the, uh, the manufacturer's numbers are still on the end of it.
1: Huh? How so, much does that cost? Do you think?
0: and uh, L is incredibly expensive, but the three pieces I'm looking at, one's a bar about a foot long, about an inch and a half in diameter. Uh, and then two bar stocks, about an eighth of an inch thick, six inches wide, foot long, um, Right now, they're all going for about $30 total. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even if I could buy it and resell it, I'd make a fortune. But
1: Yeah. uh, That's
0: crazy. I had uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. One of the guys at the gun club in Maryland had an Inconel suppressor. Mm -hmm. And he wanted the tube uh, not blued, but changed the color on. Mm -hmm. i'll call it bluing because like the gunsmith type of bluing yeah and we used niter salts to do it and that thing just came out uh a rainbow of blues and purples it was beautiful oh that's cool i never i had no clue it was going to change it that way yeah um but it was his suppressor and he said yeah let's try it (laughs) sure okay
1: (laughs) yeah that's cool I saw this uh, this video, I wish I could find the person. They were on uh, the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. I think, is it Timothy Dickers? I, I think, anyways, he's from BC and he's a blacksmith. And he tried forging Inconel, And so he got this thing hot, like hot, uh, at the hottest you'd probably get a piece of steel. And then I don't know what size a hammer, it was a decent sized hammer. He was striking this Inconel by hand as hard as he could. And even though it was, it was almost like glowing white, he said, like, this thing, you can't even leave a hammer mark in it.
0: Nope. Still not hard enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then he got it even hotter, like, like fully white and he hit it once. And the whole thing just crumbled like, yeah. uh, like brown sugar. It doesn't, <laughs> it was like, what? It was cool. I, and I, I, think, I don't know. That was a video. I watched co- I didn't even watch it. I just watched like the intro without the sound on. But, um, and I think, cause I, it kind of popped up as a recommendation a couple days ago. And I think he actually ended up making like a tomahawk out of Inconel or something. He's like, like forging the world's hardest steel or something. I was like, ah, it might be interesting to see that and see how he actually did it. But yeah, that was crazy.
0: That thing popped up in my feed like 11 times before I was just tired of seeing it. So I clicked on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's kind of cool. Hey, so what is Inconel like hard, hard, it's
0: incredibly hard and durable up to a point. It has a very small window of forging temperature. Oh, okay. Not hard enough. You can't scratch it. Yeah. Too hard. Well, it's powder.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. What are the, like, I, Inconel's a new, I, I recognize the name and I know what it is, but what? A, what's a typical application for Inconel and do you have any idea when it was, like, how long it's been around?
0: I don't know how long it's been around. I don't know why it was originally created. I don't. Yeah. Um, and I should, because I heard the story uh, on another channel. Uh, they were talking about uh, super alloys.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was the most recent of the super alloys. They talked about, you know, the who, what, when, where, why. And I'll be doggone if I can remember any of it. But the... Firearms and firearms accessory industry caught on to it pretty quickly. Hmm. Uh, There's some aerospace uh, interest in it, but the reason they were looking at it turns out, well, that made the situation worse because it's way harder than the metals around it.
2: Hmm.
0: And instead of it being a better, like, kind of bushing material, uh, it was destroying the other things around it hmm. but so it was a really good wear material
2: yeah <laughs> Not,
0: um one of the other super alloys that we're talking about i had never even heard of it at all it's uh com- utterly 100 percent for uh, uh, uh the space programs
1: That's, that's fascinating. Hey,
0: well, that's when I learned that there's things that, you know, I've always known there are products out there, right.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That, you know, it's only for military use or law enforcement use. And then, you know, there's some material that's only for military use or energy.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, never knew there was a metal alloy that you can only use for space exploration Yeah, because it, well, it's so expensive. And some of the components are so rare, you know, you just can't
1: use mm-hmm. it for anything. That's so fascinating. That's cool. It would be neat to have a small collection, like, of little parts, you know, like maybe, like, little latches or this, of every weird alloy known to man and just being able to touch them. You know what I mean? Like a small sample sitting on a table in front of you. I think that would be—I'd actually pay money to do that, just to go pick them up, look at them, and say, okay, so what is this alloy? Why do they use this? Wow, cool. Yeah, oh, a, that'd be neat.
0: There's a guy, he's in the same ilk on YouTube as uh, Cody's Lab. Oh, yeah. He has a book. It has tiny little, like, one gram or half a gram Piece, uh, little ingots of every uh, metal.
2: Huh. That's
1: cool.
0: He's trying to collect every element, but he's not allowed
1: a couple yeah. of them. Obviously. Yeah. That's funny um there's this uh, so I was listening I don't know which podcast it was that I was is a knife related podcast but they're interviewing a guy who has been doing a lot of studying on uh making knives out of titanium and cuz there's there's a lot of different uh grades and different types of titanium and he's been working on I don't think he's a a full-time knife maker like he he makes a lot of knives and sells them but He's been doing this research for, I think it's like four years. He's been trying to figure out how to properly harden titanium and he's got it now. He's got some that he can get to, I think the best he's gotten one was like 59 HRC rot, which is pretty good. You know, I mean, for, for an everyday carry knife, that's plenty good, you know, but, um, and it's funny because I guess the, the titanium that he likes the best, he actually buys it from Russia and it's this Russian surplus stuff. and. But he was always uh, before he started messing with titanium. He's like a, a Japanese sword maker, and he said, "You think about this: like if this like, technology had existed years ago, you know, a lot of these different sword warriors were limited to the weight of, by the weight of their swords. Whereas he said now you can make these like Japanese uh, swords that are like four foot long and they <laughs> they weigh like a quarter of what it would in steel. And he said, now think about that: like I could add two feet to this sword and still wield it the same as I did." you know, one that those three foot shorter made out of steel. And so he's making these long swords and he says, these things are so incredible to play with, like you can just reach out there and it's not, your arms aren't sore. And I thought, man, that would be something else. That's going to be the next, maybe not. I don't know. I always kind of wonder what's the next big thing. Like, I know they're developing all these CPM steels and, uh, you know, Dr. Is that T- Lawrence Thomas, he invented his own steel and uh you know cutlery steel and stuff i'm like where are we going to go now is it just going to be like you know better edge retention or better hardability? ability is like man it'd be kind of neat if they went to like okay let's start making lighter high performance knife steels that'd be kind of cool for some applications kitchens maybe not i don't think you'd really want kitchen knives to get a whole lot you don't want them heavy but a super lightweight kitchen knife to me would would be less advantageous than a We'll use air quotes, a normal weight one.
0: Well, I think there'd be a good market for a moderately priced light kitchen knife that either anybody could sharpen or never needed sharpening.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I mean, by never, I mean rarely. Yeah. Stayed like a razor.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, like backpackers and cyclists and, Mm -hmm. you know, people that are concerned about weight.
0: If most people use their knives like a a kitchen knife. Like uh, they were more careful with that edge, you know. Don't mm-hmm. don't chop on glass. Don't chop on you
1: <laughs> yeah. know Yeah, like glass cutting boards. So I remember my parents had one once. <laughs> it's like what? It should only be used when you're using one of those plastic lettuce knives yeah it's funny
0: but you know people just misuse them and then complain them well it doesn't stay sharp and they charge me 500 you know why it doesn't stay sharp because you're not
1: yeah that's right you know so we bought um handmade japanese kitchen knives and I don't know. They're not the highest of the highest quality, but they're good. Like, and, and still fairly reasonable. Like a 8-inch chef's knife you get for like 200 bucks Canadian, which to me is cheap, you know, because I'm not going to make a knife for that price. But we get these things and they're I don't know which steel it has at its core. So it's just a stainless clad, you know, stainless on the outside, a core in the middle of high carbon steel, and massive increase over like Wusthof knives. Wusthof knives are like the Biggest p and like hankles just garbage steel you know stain resistant forever you could throw them in the dead sea and and they wouldn't show any signs you know but um these japanese knives man i can't believe that i am not impressed with the edge retention and i guess maybe i'm just fussy no they are a very very fine edge like they come to such a fine point but I don't know. I, t- to keep them cutting properly, I would have to sharpen them like every other day, every third day maybe. And I've got, like, I've got a little knife I made out of 1084 and it actually holds its edge better. And I did a, a differential heat treat on that one. Um, you know, and it, like I did a real, it was, it was the one I did as a build along. And I just burnt the handle. That knife is holding up so well. And that is one of my favorite knives in the kitchen. And it's like just fully patina now. But I sharpen that thing like all the kids go to it because it's a nice size for them. It's comfortable, and we don't use it for like heavy stuff. But like every time I got chives to cut up or cheese or something, that's the go-to. If I'm cutting sausages, and I probably sharpen that knife like every four months, and it just keeps going. Like oh, I got to cut up some chives. I could cuts beautifully. I don't know. I thought this, you know, Japanese from it's all from the what's it the Yakafu, No. I forget what the name is, but, uh, no, the Takafu knife factory, Japan. Is it like blue paper steel? I don't know what the color paper it is, but man, I'm not, not amazed. And I've actually sharpened it, uh, enough times now that the core. there's places, you know, you have that squiggle line, right? Where your Sanmai ends and it's like from the forging pattern that was put in there, or whatever. Well, right now, now at the cutting edge. In two spots it's actually the stainless cladding that is even with the core now so i might i might actually do a video to see if i can re-grind that and and bring you know that cladding up a little higher into the blade but i'm really i'm i'm shocked at how on un- the more i use it the more disappointed i get with it I'm like this thing doesn't hold an edge like i thought it would
0: i've had several people that have been at the house and i've been cooking that have complained about their Hinkle's set
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And how disappointed they were for the price. (laughs) And then they use mine and they're like, well, they say Hinkle's on them, but they don't look, feel, or cut like a Hinkle's. You know why? (laughs) There's three different kinds. There used to be, I don't know anymore, but there used to be through the middle of the nineties, three different levels of Hinkle's knives Ah. uh, and the little, Uh, symbol was the only way to tell the difference Um, there was one they sold pretty much in North America one they sold almost anywhere else globally and then one that was ordered from the factory by professionals Hmm. and that's the set I wound up with completely accidentally because I bought it in a culinary store in Italy Um, it was a good price uh, shockingly And I just thought it was a normal, like, Hinkle set, just prettier, right? Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
0: Oh, no. Hmm. And the only knife I've ever had a problem with in that whole set is the one you use the most, and that's the paring knife. And that's just because of use. Yeah, yeah. You know, the tip is a little worse for wear right now. Just because, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you pound on something long enough, no matter how soft it is, over 35, 30 years, you know. Mm-hmm. Tink,
1: tink, Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, so, well, we got these Wustoffs, and we paid a lot of money for them. This is when Steph and I, I don't know, maybe we is right in the beginning of our marriage. You know, we bought our first house. We thought, okay, well, you know what? We're, <laughs> you know, these things that it always feels weird. You know, as a teenager, you never think of yourself as buying a kitchen knife set. But then it's like, well, we got a kitchen. And if we're going to cook something, we need knives. It's like, let's, let's get a real good set. You know, this is what responsible grownups do when you're, (laughs) this is called adulting. (laughs) (laughs) That's my least favorite term in the world, but it is funny. Um, so we went out, bought this thing and I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And it was expensive, man. Like, like back in the day, I think we paid 600 bucks for it, which was a lot. Like 20 years ago, we just married 600 bucks for knives. And I'm like, wow, I'm super adulting now. And, uh. We used them for years, I didn't think too much of them. And, and Steph would say for a couple of years, she'd be like, man, these things are dull. I was like, oh, we should sharpen them. So it's one time we thought, well, let's look up where we could get them sharpened. This so was before I was into making knives or anything. And I, I wasn't good at sharpening and we took them to the, oh shoot. Knifeware. And that's actually the same place. I bought these, these Japanese knives that I'm not impressed with, but it's funny cause you bring them in. They're like, oh, you want us to sharpen those? And I didn't really know why at the time, but they had this, I think this because it wasn't a, I thought, oh, they only like Japanese knives here. Anyways, it kind of had a weird attitude, but they sharpen them up and they give you a, you know, a newspaper cut test when you go to pick them up. And so we would do that like every couple months, I'd drop them off and then we'd go back like a day or two later, pick them all up. And every time like, oh, you want us to sharpen these? I'm like, yeah, my kitchen knives. And then only now, you know, having even, and I will say these Japanese knives that I have are far superior uh, to those Wustos. But then I looked at the type of steel they were and I start Googling it. <laughs> and you just look it up. In, in moments, you'll be like, this is a very, very stain-resistant steel, but it has zero edge retention capabilities. And it's true, man. Like like I tell people, it's like sharpening a wet lasagna noodle. It's not holding its edge. Like, no, not yeah. a chance. Like, and the first h- time you use it.
0: And the man. Hinkles I have are not nearly as stain-resistant as most Hinkles would be. yeah. But their edge retention is higher, so yeah, it obviously has more carbon and less stainless somewhere in yeah. the mix,
1: right? Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and uh,
1: ah, whatever. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like our 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 Wusthof knives, they look brand new, like they look phenomenal. And I guess you know, from that standpoint, most people don't cook very much at all. Um, and you know, oh wow, look okay, yeah, I got these twenty years ago. They look like the day we bought them, but. Yeah, they just don't go. We still have, I know them. Maybe I threw all of them out. Maybe in a box.
0: I think if somebody wants a, a branded knife or knife set for kitchen use, find what brand you want, right? Learn about it, research it, look, know what they mm-hmm. look like, how they feel, and look for them on the used market. Yeah. I picked up a, a German. Uh, cleaver mm-hmm. i don't even know what brand it is it, it, but it just has a little symbol on it and uh, learned it that's one of the best you could get for the time period it was made hmm. in the middle of the 20th century yeah it's, for its size it's heavy and has very good uh, anti-chip anti-wear properties
2: yeah
0: uh, and you can adjust the grind if you want if you want, you know, depending on what you want use it for. Because my, I have, I don't, I haven't cleaned it up and uh, sharpened it yet. But I want a cleaver for general purpose use. I want a cleaver for bone, and then I want a cleaver to help butch. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the one I've got now is my general purpose, and that's how I found it. Um, it was in a thrift store. Paid five bucks for what is an, in effect, uh, you know, a four or $500 cleaver. Hmm. And it doesn't matter when it was made. It's as brand new today as it was then.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, and you, you can get some pretty cool knives at thrift stores. Um, and
0: how many people use a cleaver in the last 60 years, right? That's what I was saying. Like
1: you're talking about you got three cleavers. We don't own a cleaver, and I've never come in a situation where I was like, man, I wish I had a cleaver.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you the first reason I got it.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Um, one of our dog's treats or for <laughs> okay. his teeth, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can break them in half because they're scored, but then to break them in half again for his dog size, you got to cut it. Oh, okay. And I've tried a meat slicer, a uh, used one, right? Yeah. I've tried, I'm not going to use my really good knife for it, you know. No. Yeah, yeah. I've tried like the cheaper, cheap old, uh, like Gensu type stuff.
2: Yeah.
0: And I was like, well, let me try this cleaver. Worked perfect. Hmm. So, along with its other general purpose uses, the first time I got a cleaver was just for the dog treats. But now uh, that I've learned how to wield, quote unquote, a uh, cleaver, I can use it almost as good as a boning knife if I'm going to take a whole chicken. And debone it whole for mm-hmm. like my uh, Peruvian chicken.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, good, good, good. But, that sounds uh, real good.
0: It is. You, but you know, you, you take scissors and cut the backbone out, and then you debone it the rest of the way. And I can use that cleaver as well as I can a boning knife because I mm-hmm. just learned how to use it and then yeah, yeah. practice, practice, practice.
1: Yep. That's cool. You know, you're talking about whole chickens. It, it, it reminds me, we bought um, an air fryer.
0: Yes, I, we have three of them.
1: They're awesome. Like, So we got an Acti fryer, like the original Acti fryer, when we lived in our trailer, and that's the one that has the little arm that kind of slowly goes around the bottom. Oh,
0: no, wait, we have four now.
1: Oh, wow. We have hoarder. one
0: that's the, scent, the size and um, style as a pizza oven, mm-hmm. but an air fryer. And that's what I'm going to use it for uh, next week when we get back is to see if it'll air fry a pizza.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, no, like, so, and ours, so we got, um, we had the one where it's just like you put it in the, it's kind of like a pot and it's got this arm that goes around and kind of basically stirs things up, prevents it from, it's supposed to move it around a bit, not that effective. Worked good for French fries, but if you put like chicken nuggets in there, it would end up taking all the breading off. Like, it's yeah. just a little too harsh. And so... It was great for living in the in the trailer because, you know, we have so so little room for stuff. And then it was a treat. Like on Sunday nights, we'd always have like an acty fry night, we called it. And so it was literally just like finger food and hors d'oeuvres, all the really healthy stuff. And um, so we got one now that kind of opens up like an oven. And like Steph did fried chicken in there, just so good. And then we did an entire chicken. It's got a rotisserie on it. Put a chicken in there, you know, put a nice rub on it. Oh my goodness, did it do good. Like it was so delicious and it's so easy. You know, it's got a little drip tray under there. There's a chicken just rotates and, but man, you cut into this chicken and the juice just literally just falls out of it. And it's just, man, I'm impressed with that thing. Yep. And then French fries, like our basket, we've it's got a little basket that goes on the rotisserie and it will fit an entire bag of French fries with enough room for them to move. So you literally just cut the top off, dump an entire bag of French fries in, stick it in there. And I think it was like 10 minutes, and they're done, and they're all perfect. Just crispy, crunchy, no sogginess. Oh, man, I like that air fryer thingy. It's good. Uh,
0: yeah. You can make, uh, like, takeout even healthier. Like, when we get takeout, by the time it gets home, it's, you know, not warm yeah. anymore. Yeah. So we recook it, warm it up in there, and it gets rid of even more fat. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, particularly Chinese food, because I love very hot in temperature crispy like spring rolls yeah and um the teriyaki meat on a stick mystery meat on a stick <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: and believe me chicken. we had beef and chicken this past uh, weekend and one of the chicken pieces was mystery meat
2: yeah <laughs> i went
0: to bite it. i just ate a chicken one i'm like oh man this is so good it's so good pick up the sandwich, one just bit into it i'm like you know that soury nasty bad chicken stuff if you get marrow mixed in with the meat that's what it tasted like i'm Uh, like this is gross
2: yeah Um, yeah
0: believe me i've had um mystery animals in uh the desert and in africa well they'll tell you it's chicken but you haven't seen a chicken in four days
1: yeah that's right yeah, I ate monkey brain one time. They told me it was a monkey brain.
0: Well, I think if somebody tried to feed me a brain, I know as much. I know what a brain is looks like. Unfortunately, so gray matter. I'd be like, I don't want that unless they, you know, scramble it. Yeah, and that'd be nasty.
1: Yeah, I had one spoonful. Uh, this was yeah, it was in the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> And then, so anyways, I ate that monkey brain. Well, one spoonful. They cooked it up, and it was a delicacy, and it'd be rude to say no. And then I forget. We had, like, uh, Lapa, I think, because it's one of the animals they shoot a lot there. It was all wild food and, and traditional dishes with this, like, really weird, almost like a potato stuff, but with zero flavor, like, just some type of a starch. Um, but anyways, they shot this monkey right before he landed. And then we are I think, I don't know how long we were there for, four or five days. And... When I left, they made me a gift and they took the tail of this monkey and they, they cut it out and made a band that goes around your arm. And then they have like leather string hanging down and then they've got the breast feathers of a toucan and then hanging a little lower are the tail feathers of a toucan. There's about three or four toucans. They actually skin it. And so it's like it's flesh and then the feathers are intact with it. And they, they tan it somehow. I'm not sure how they do it, but they, this is what they give young warriors, right? And, uh, when they're ready to start training, when I left, they made one, they gave it to me and they put it on my arm and I was, it was amazing. Like I still have it, <laughs> I can't really let anybody see it. Cause I mean, I'm sure you're not allowed to own these things in Canada and, uh, undocumented just brought them in, but, um, actually I don't know where they are right now, but anyways, I'm wearing this thing on my arm and <laughs> this monkey had ticks and these ticks jumped onto my skin and I got three ticks (laughs) and my word they were we had pliers on them and my skin was stretched out like inches man and then finally like this place we were at was like one of the only tribes that had ever seen white men and uh they actually were in the process of building a cooler so they could graze animals and store meat and uh so they actually had a generator and they had fuel and stuff like that they didn't have vehicles or anything like that but a couple generators and so they finally took me out there, we pulled a drop of gasoline, the tick just fell right off my arm. But green ticks that I got from a monkey that I ate its brain, <laughs> like, oh, good.
0: You know, I went to a place in Africa, right, very desolate. It was kind of temperate, but on the edge of the desert, so you had the big forest um, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go, you know, touch base with this, uh, tribe that's, you know, friendly to us, but, you know, they help us look out for the criminals and the warlord people. Right. But they're very primitive. You mm-hmm. have to watch out for, you know, we, we trust each other, but only to a point, right. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they, they're still keeping themselves and blah, blah, blah. Going through the, on the path in our, uh, little. Toyota's, and we get to a little clearing. There's the opening part of the village, but then the, most of it is in and amongst the trees, kind of hidden, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we walk in the what a quote unquote chief, right? Uh, it was a, more more like a the queen, and the kid was sitting there playing PlayStation with a Jordan jersey on. I'm like, really? Oh wow really people <laughs> and then spoke perfect english no huh. accent mom mom the queen had a very uh royal british accent i'm like really
1: that's crazy really hmm.
0: but that was the um the 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 uh exception to the rule most of the other uh, small tribal Villages we dealt with were just still in the pre-Stone Ages.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: I felt, did really feel sorry for them because that's what they knew, you know. It's not like um, Calgary suddenly went back to the Stone Age overnight. You know, they've never come out of it. You feel sorry for them, but you don't. Yeah. They're all happy. Oh, yeah. They just want Whitey to leave them alone. Yeah. And all the rest of them to leave them alone. Yeah. At least so these, they're getting food from us for helping. You know, they're not, they don't have another tribe and they're trying to genocide them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, and even the, like their traditions, though, they're brutal. So that we were with the Yanomami Indians and they're one of the last Stone Age tribes remaining in South America. And the way they still saw things, at least when we were there, um, like we went to a place, uh, they took us up a river in a boat for hours, we went to this one village. And I think my dad and I were the fifth and sixth white people to ever go to the village, right? And so literally everybody comes up and they're just rubbing your skin because they have never seen a white person before. And weird, man, it's so weird. These people coming up, just rubbing you, rubbing you. Oh, crazy. But, um, say if I come to you and I say, Todd, that's my spear, you took my spear. Cause I accused you, we're going to have a, a battle, It's a, like the stone fight, but cause I'm the one that accused you, I get the first crack and I'll take a big rock and I hit your chest. And then you take a rock and hit my chest. And whoever is standing at the end of it was the one that was telling the truth. And they truly believe that that is how like truth and honesty are held out. Like that's, that's it. And it's inter- Interesting. They don't have a word for love. And there's a twisted logic
0: to it because who wants to be accused of something? Yeah. You know, so I don't want to even though I get the first blow as the accuser tomorrow somebody could accuse me. Yeah. So there's a twisted logic to it. But the human condition, we're always going to find a way to insert evil.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's true. Yeah, as a that was a eye-opening experience. We got to fly over Angel Falls in Venezuela. Highest waterfall in the world. That was the first time I've ever been in a small little bush plane. Didn't like that too much. Flew with the windows open, 120 degrees out. Oh my word. 120 degrees and they had 80% humidity in in the rainforest. And it would rain usually in the afternoons. It'd just start pouring and you go outside and you just stand in the rain and it was like a it was like a warm shower. Oh, there's no relief at all. And you couldn't go in the water because there's so many piranhas, like so many piranhas. It was insane there, man. Kinda makes me glad I live in Canada. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had our uh, election.
0: After watching uh every episode of River Monsters, where every episode somehow he tied in whatever monster he was working on that day to piranha.
1: Is did he? And almost every
0: episode that. had a piranha in it. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you're in the Thames. How did you get a piranha in there?
1: Yeah.
0: You know, but.
1: Yeah, the piranhas are no joke, man. Like we would take pieces of, of chicken scraps and you throw them in the water. And it's for a couple minutes, it looks like the water's boiling right around where that chicken went in. Just. <laughs> yeah.
0: And if you the, knew what uh, species of piranha you were dealing with mm-hmm. locally in whatever body of water you're in. You could walk right through them or not. Yeah. You know.
1: You see, the so this wasn't in the Amazon or whatever. This was like other parts of Venezuela that we were touring. And uh, the farmers, if they had to cross these certain rivers for their herds, their cattle herds, they, if they had a sick cow or something, they would put that one in first, and the piranhas would eat it, and then the rest of them could go through without being attacked. But they just take this cow down into the water, kind of shove it into the water, and it just gets eaten alive by piranhas. We never actually saw this, but they're telling us it just gets eaten alive by piranhas. And then, um, once that one's been consumed, then they usually leave them the rest of them. They'll run the entire herd through as quick as they can, and usually don't bother them at all. But it's crazy, hey? It's, it's like oh, we, they!
0: I remember as a kid watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins, and while most of his shows focused you know, you know on the Serengeti and other areas of Africa. He did do some in South America and they showed that really on one of the shows where in order to cross the river, we have to placate the wild piranha. Yeah. We do that by, you know, finding sick livestock and shoving them in the water first. (laughs) Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah. It's funny. Look,
0: look, we'll zoom in on the horrified expression on the (laughs) cow's face.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy,
0: uh, back when t v was worth watching,
1: yeah, no kidding, huh that's funny, yeah, no we uh, uh
0: I see that squadcast has changed a little bit more now, there uh, so, on my view, you don't have a little mic uh meter anymore
1: yeah you I haven't seen your mic meter for months, ah. Uh. Yeah, and yeah, you could see mine before this.
0: Yeah, I remember uh. seeing it. Now I'm not going to say it was last week. I just noticed today. It's, hey, no mic meter.
1: Yeah, you see yours, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Weird, weird, weird. So, you know, last week, last podcast, we talked about, it's kind of weird because we're not recording on Friday. This will a Wednesday morning. This will probably just come out on Friday, though, hey? Got to keep our schedule.
0: Yeah, you, people you don't know when we record. You just know when we tell you we record.
1: <laughs> That's right. Um so we were talking about the election and I said a little touch base on this and uh no, nothing changed really. Like the it's almost we had an election. Spent a lot of
0: money. Same yeah. people.
1: <laughs> to find out that Canadians voted the same today as they did two years ago, so yeah, cool. Um Apparently, Justin says that, it, well, he had said that if he didn't get a ma- majority government out of this election, then he's going to call another one in 18 months. So, another $600 million that'll ca- cost Canadians. So, yeah, it's, it's great. And you know, then. Even
0: if you like the guy, <clears throat> that threat alone would tell me, you know, you're out. Yeah. All right, get the torches and pitchforks, people. We're out of here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then. Um, so that was kind of a, I went to vote and it's like, wow. Um, and then, you know, we are talking, uh, my, uh, screen name here is called second class citizen. That's you have to type in your name when you log in. And that was obviously because of this new, this COVID passport, right? Anyways, so the way it is right now, it's literally this piece of paper. They don't have any QR code set up or anything. And there's, uh, an MLA, I think took a picture of hers and put it on the internet. And then somebody went and blanked out the names, just cleared that part and then took a picture. So I can literally take this and put my name in it and print it off. And it is as good. That is literally all the province has right now. Uh, So like I can forge this document like that. Uh, My mom showed me hers because they've both been vaccinated. They've got their passports. I got this is all it is. And it's you literally just have it on your phone. If you go into a restaurant, you show them that. They look on your phone and then you show them your ID and there's a names match. They have to let you in. So I'm like, wow, they say this like one of the, literally the easiest government document to forge. And, um, yeah, but anyways, so there's that, but then also, uh, right before they impose these restrictions, like, so last Saturday we went shopping. We're like, we gotta go shopping. Cause retail I'm not allowed to go to retail. So we did shopping. We went out to the keg for a nice steak meal. Uh, because you know, I'm not allowed to go into restaurants anymore. Cause I'm going to kill everybody if I do. And, um, but then like on Sunday night, they just changed the rules. Okay. Now they're not retail. They can't take that away. Now they're not going to force that, but I still can't go into a restaurant or a bar, um, but interesting thing happened here. So that's, that's our premier Jason Kenny, And you know, the guy reminds me of you're out on a river. You got a bite on. You pull it in, and the fish is just flopping around in the boat, one side to the other. That's his decision-making style. Like you don't know where he's at. He says something one day, and the next two days before he implemented this mandatory vaccine, he said, "We." He said, "I will not uh, implement a vaccine passport program." He says that's Albertan's private information, and that will not come into play ever. Two days later mandatory proof of vaccination. So he's just like that fish, just flopping. Anyways, well, the time
0: conser- Anytime any politician s- uses the word always or never.
1: Yeah. Or, or Alberta's open for good.
0: They're always going <laughs> to do the what they just said they aren't going to do. Yeah, it's, it's like a secret code. They use always or never, mm-hmm. which are the two words you're not supposed to use in a marriage. But I, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm always going to love you. I'm yeah. never not going to love you. I just used them. Yeah. yeah, so they, yeah. but, you know, if they say, like, I will not ever, ever, ever raise taxes, that's day one. Yeah. They're raising taxes. Yeah. Um,
1: so anyways, he got himself in trouble with the party, with the conservative party of Alberta, and over the course of the weekend, because he implemented this vaccine passport thing, um, they all got together and they want to review his qualification as leader of the party. And... In order for that to happen, I think there's like 31 different seats or something. I don't know exactly how it works, but they have to get, I think it has to be at least half of them. Right. And so they all have to call in and say, listen, this is what I want. I, I, I do agree that we need to review his credentials. Like I question his judgment and that would always happen about six months prior to an election. And we're still way beyond that. And so basically if they don't feel he's doing a good job for the party, they'll do it and they can elect a new one. The party we'll have a new premier and every single seat said i want to review and so he's in trouble like and and, and it's true because and the reason he said that he put in the vaccine passport he said there's so much pressure from the opposition and it's like <laughs> so is that all is that your politics that you say something and as soon as the opposition you know you won the race you're you're, you're the the government right but the opposition criticizes you and you're like, oh, okay, sure, I'll just do what they want. Well, then what's the point of having you? We could have had the NDP and, and they'll just tell us, say, hey, we're going to put a vaccine passport and they do it. Instead of this jellyfish, this flish fopping around and the bow. Oh, I'm not going to use, we're going to. So anyways, the Conservative Party in Alberta says, you know what, if this guy doesn't go, we will not get in again. And that's a fact. I will not vote for the Conservative Party or for Jason Kenney because that guy is a line sack of shit. Not that they all aren't. But at least with some, even like some of these liberal parties, they do really dumb things, but they tell you we're going to do them. Like, hey, we're going to make, make vaccines mandatory. And then they do it. Okay. Well, I'd rather deal with that. Cause that's like Satan being honest. I'm Satan. You know what I mean? Then some guy going, oh, no vaccines, oh, vaccines. Oh, it's like, oh, dude. So it's fun. I'm glad, I'm glad that porky puff is getting out of here. You know what the problem is? This is a theory I have. I think if you want to govern in any constituency, whether it's a city, town, county, province, country. In order to run, you have to have been born and raised in the area that you're running. That should be a requirement. You know, Jason Kenney's from Saskatchewan. Why is he the Premier of Alberta? Go away. Go away. You know, how can you maintain something that's worthwhile if, if you're, you don't have people that understand what it was, right? Like for you to be the, the prime minister of Canada, you should have to have been born and raised in Canada. And you know what? Yes. That does uh, take out first generation immigrants, but let them live here. So, so your parents migrate here. You were your, your parents are from India. You were born and raised in Calgary, right? You've got a flavor for the city. Now, now you can run. Now your dad can't cause he was born in India. I think that would keep things. I think that would help maintain and preserve what it is about a certain place that is attractive to people because people didn't move to Canada because it was Islamic, right? People didn't move to Canada because there were terrorists everywhere. They moved here because it was free and because it was based on, on Western values, Christian values and cultures. That's why it's attractive to people. Because right? we don't kill people. There's not hangings in the street. But then we come here and it's like, okay, well, let's just change all the rules to match where they're fleeing. That's stupid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I do Anyway, know. We talked can,
0: about this before. Yeah. We have slight disagreements on it, but that's okay. Yeah. That's what debate is for.
1: That's right. You know? Yep.
0: Um, I don't think you should be able to move someplace just to be able to run for office there like the like some parties do like back in maryland they would seed uh the different districts with people that would be there just long enough to be able to the whole point was for the party to stay in power and seed the different districts with folks that were quote unquote electable Hmm. so almost no locals would be able to be elected um you know, yeah. Like me, I would I was forced to move all over my whole life, uh, you know, just because of the nature of joining the military. Uh, and then I chose to retire here if I wanted to um, run for local office. This is where I chose to retire. I will be here forever, and I should be able to run for office here. Well, I don't know because my my. Um, My motives are different,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know. But, but I, but I think toward, so. He, and this is kind of where I get at that. So the the person that was running for the prime minister for the NDP party, uh, I don't know what he is. He looks like a Sikh. Like he's got a very tall turban, but he's actually banned from traveling in the United States of America, and he's on a terrorist watch list.
0: Well, that should. It shouldn't matter where he from or where he lives, if you're on a terrorist watch list, that should disqualify you.
1: Yeah, not the Canadian. Either
0: get off the watch list or
1: it's Canadian you know, We'll stupid. see you next
0: we'll see you next election.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is a problem we deal with as a as a person who's not fully dumb. Man, Canadians are pretty stupid. And I'm gonna say this too well, no everywhere uh, especially everywhere. in the East. Yeah, everywhere is stupid. like uh, the East voted Justin Trudeau in again. The dude's a criminal, like legitimately a criminal. Well, so are Six- the people in the east. Yeah, a lot some of them, some I just don't <laughs> get it. I don't get it. They're either criminals
0: or know of criminals, or they don't turn their family in for being criminals.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Uh, you that know, the
0: e- just like the upper, um, the northeastern seaboard of the United States and the eastern uh seaboard of Canada, mm-hmm. there's Five or six degrees of separation from criminal, real no kidding criminal activity in every um, sphere of influence—family, mm-hmm. friends, work—and
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, now some families might have ten, but some other families will have one. Yeah, I'm just saying the average is about five or six degrees of separation from genuine, no kidding, hardcore criminal activity.
1: Huh. So, you know. Yeah. It's funny to just think about Eastern. Uh, I don't know when it was, like a year or so ago. And I didn't really get into it, it. didn't fall too much. But Wrangler Star, do you remember when he was just ragging on people from the East Coast?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. the um, <laughs> East Coast East. versus West Coast. The the um, loggers, the chainsaw guys, to what, the way you wear your hat. Yeah. And he wears his hat wrong. I will tell everybody <laughs> this. You know, anybody that irons the bill flat is yeah. stupid. Yeah. But, well, no.
1: He he stacks uh, AR-15 magazines on top of it to keep it flat. He said the real way. I no, he's not that him. cool. He uses but, AKs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I've never seen him with an AK. But. Um,
0: well, he can't show it. He'll lose all, most of his conservative audience. Yeah. You know, his Christian right wing.
1: Yeah. But you know, it's funny because he's like, "Oh, you're from the East Coast." That I means you're stupid and your wife's fat or something like that. Like, he was just, oh, man, it was funny. but yeah. yeah. Cody,
0: before you sue me like you do everybody else, I apologize. It was just a joke. It's a parody.
1: Do you think he You're a public people? figure. He doesn't sue people.
0: Not publicly. You think he does? Yes, he does. Uh. I know of two people he has sued because um, of my friend who's a friend of his.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, he is my friend who's a friend of his kind of is a friend of Cody's as a parody. Mm. He's just the guy's a hoot just to hang around with and laugh at Mm -hmm. behind his back, you know, Mm -hmm. because how he is on camera, he's well, to quote the guy, he's 11, times worse off Mm. camera. Mm. You know, if you think he's a male chauvinist pig on camera, wait till you see him off. Um, Mm. But anyway, crazy. And I'm not saying it's wrong for men to be in charge of their families. Cause if you're Christian, it's kind of the way it is, but people misread that. People mm-hmm. misunderstand what it actually says, you know, mm-hmm. but women are actually in charge of the household.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
0: You know, the inner and- workings of the family and the house, generally the wife, cause she's supposed to be there, you know, mm-hmm. so she's in charge. Dude, you're out there making a living. You're bringing home to bacon, it, as it were.
1: Yeah. You uh, know, I always heard it. And if you're gonna deliver a message like that, like on a platform like YouTube, you have to do it so carefully. And even then, it's such a. And it's so funny because he
0: he used to be careful, and then once people came after him, he just smeared well, yeah. it in their face. Yeah, it's well, like that's full blast.
1: Funny. Yeah. Right. I always heard it put this way. I think this. I said, you know what? The man is ahead of the household. The woman is a neck and she turns the head whichever way she wants. (laughs) That's how it works.
0: You know, I, uh, I think that, you know, it's like every other good partnership that's successful. You're going to have your strengths. The other person is going to have their strengths. Yeah. And if you both have the same strengths, it ain't going to work for well or for long, one or the other, you know, Mm -hmm. but you're not gonna have strengths and weaknesses. She's gonna have strengths and weaknesses, and if you play off those things, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know. Yeah. Because I, I don't know. It just it's logical to me, and other people are just so blind or stupid to it um, on purpose. It's.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: Crazy. Okay. All right, are gonna, are you gonna say something?
0: I'm gonna take a left turn. My, okay. my my weekly Todd left turn. This could be its own segment. Um, I am angered once again by the um, left stream media uh, globally. That you know they want to put on so many things off on the conservative Christian white male, but they're as guilty as anyone ever in creation. This week, the news has been just smeared with this poor, missing, now-dead girl, Gabby Petito, an alleged attractive blonde young female. That's why she's made the news. And who chooses what to put on the news? The news. You know, the right-wing people ch- or left-wing people in charge of the news choose to be you know, what's on the news and the advertisers that kill Everything masculine and right wing, on social media, and mainstream media, they they choose what's on the news, and they pick a pretty white woman
3: mm-hmm.
0: instead of any number of the other half a million legitimate missing people in the United States every year.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: At the same time that she went missing, there's a a, a not uh, there's an article. In the New York Post, as well as the in Baltimore, about six other people that went missing, uh, six females of color, whether they're brown, yellow, black, whatever, just as attractive, but she's not white and blonde, so she didn't get the news. Hmm. Gabby Petito did. Ah, hmm. uh, it's yeah. always annoyed me. My whole life, you know, I've realized this happens. If you're not pretty and white, you're not making the news if you're in trouble. And I don't, I've never understood it. Yeah. If you're innocent and you go missing, you should make the news. Yep. If news channels and networks are going to ruin my television watching experience with these stupid um, scrolly flags down at the bottom of the screen, blocking part of what I'm paying to watch, make it missing people. Yeah. Make it victims. Yeah. Make it political corruption.
2: Yeah. I can
0: walk outside and see the weather. I don't need you to tell me it's raining.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I a don't fan care of anything news. about
0: professional sports. Um. None of it. If you're gonna ruin my television watching experience, do it with missing people.
1: But you, don't you think most people would find that, like, too much reality to deal with? Like, oh, I don't want to steal the missing oh, people. Oh, the number one
0: moneymaker in TV is reality TV, quote-unquote. All scripted fake reality, but anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, but it's too harsh of a reality. Like, most yeah. people can't handle, oh, all these people went missing. <gasps> They're going to get, you know what I mean? They can't don't handle care. it.
0: Then Then it becomes more public. I'm tired of seeing it. Well, we have to scroll it. Okay, now, law enforcement and politicians, do something about it. Get rid, you know, social media, do something about it. Instead of worrying about what Todd says on the podcast or what somebody else says on YouTube, why don't you go after the dark web? Yeah. And buying and selling of human beings.
1: But here's the deal. If they put a ticker tape on the bottom there with missing people all the time, people wouldn't watch it cuz nobody wants to have to face the reality of the world nobody does i'm
0: just saying force it down their throat just saying
1: yeah yeah i, I don't know it's the, the thing is, is there, most we have to most people well, you
0: know this as well as i do we have to learn how to recognize and then look for and recognize evil before we do anything about it we can't evil does not go away cuz you play the ostrich and stick your head in the sand
1: mhm yeah, but you, I think that's. I think you have a utopic view, because I don't.
0: Um, I'm saying we need to. It, we can't get rid of it all, but we can certainly reduce over half a million people being victimized every year, and that's just the ones that are reported.
1: Yeah, but you'd have you'd have. You're to not going to
0: have illegals reporting that somebody's kidnapped their twelve year old.
1: No, I agree. But do you think that, uh, for that to happen? You'd have to have way more good, honest men in the world than we do. Fact of the matter is, I think you and I are an exception. There's so few good, honest people in the world. You know, when I was a little kid, I used, to, for some reason, I had this skewed view. And, you know, I grew up going to church and I thought, and I saw all these old people in church. And I literally thought that if you were a grandparent or somebody's grandparent, you were a Christian, right? And I remember I went one time to a friend's house and his grandparents were smoking and drinking and they're getting kind of drunk and I remember I was like what on earth and at that point my world view was completely changed and and you know I, I really like Cody jinx as an artist he's one of my favorite artists as of late and he has a line in one of his songs that says my whole world my whole view of the world has changed uh he said I don't believe there's good in every man like I did back then and I don't. I think I think most of the world is evil and corrupt. And to just say, oh, let's go get all these guys. Yeah, that that's, is the right thing to do. But you have to have an army of good, honest men to do it. And that doesn't exist. This world is horrible. <laughs> and that's not a very nice, well, rosy you know, picture to these, paint.
0: All these bad cops and corrupt mm-hmm. cops that are beating black people in the neighborhoods or white people in neighborhoods or Mexicans, whatever. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: We know who they are. Somebody knows who they are. Let's point them out. Hey, look, you're not going to go through an IAB investigation. What we're going to do is you're going to get labeled. You are. But we're going to move you to this new unit. And we're going to use you, psychopath, to track down and take out these other psychopaths. Just
2: saying,
0: you know, it takes... Somebody who can, a good man that can think like a criminal to catch a criminal. And in absence of that, you need a bad cop to catch a bad criminal.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then once we have all the criminals, then, you know, we're like, hey, go in this room. We're going to make you like we did Tommy and pop one in the back of their head.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this world is flawed. That's why I I don't watch the news.
0: (laughs) I don't either. That just was... That was even on my st- <coughs> YouTube feed.
1: Oh wow!
0: All the news stories about Gabby Petito because she's an attractive blonde,
1: hmm.
0: allegedly, and I have to use that allegedly because you know the news considers her to be a young, attractive blonde. I don't know. I never met her.
1: Yeah, yeah. Crazy, hey? Eh? I don't
0: know. I don't know. If she, you know, I don't know what happened. Yeah. I know somebody made her dead. Yep. But other than that, don't know anything. Yep. And hopefully we'll find out the truth, but we never do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you guys are heading out. You what? Uh, how long are gone for again? Four days? Five days? Five days right in on.
0: total. You know, we'll, yeah. Um, get up in the morning, get Benny over to mom and dad's, and head on out.
1: Is this the first time you've traveled in a while?
0: Other than going back and forth, moving from Maryland to Tennessee, yeah. yeah. Oh.
1: You're looking forward to it? No. You don't like to, you don't like driving?
0: No, I used to love to drive. It was one of my favorite things to do. But the world, had, and I don't mean anything having to do with the Wuhan snivels. I just hate people now. Yeah. I was around them for too long. One day my camel um, had that last straw put on for people and i just
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah, um, i love i love road trips
0: i used to but you know you stop at a just to fill up at a gas station you never know what kind of jerks next to you at the pump yeah It just gonna say something that doesn't need to be said
2: huh yeah you're, I, um, you're
0: old you're fat you're ugly yeah i know all those things i see it in the mirror every day who are yeah. you to point it out jerk
2: yeah
0: yeah you know, whatever yeah uh, like I'm sitting in my, waiting on my doctor's appointment here in the middle of, you know, middle Tennessee and run into a Karen and, uh, started off to be nice, but in a nosy nice. Mm. And then she just said something right off the, right out of the blue. No one poked that bear. She had to say something about, uh, the Wuhan sniffle. Yeah and i said uh i, I just ignored her right you mm-hmm. know that and then she said something else i ignored that she knew i wasn't gonna she wasn't gonna bait me with it so she asked me oh you know what do you do <sighs> i'm retired she, oh really you look young to be retired yeah i was a uh, um an infectious virology scientist for about 30 years with uh the cdc and all of this mess with uh, the COVID just convinced me I had to retire because no one was using anything other than junk science to promote a political agenda. And I had to, no one was listening to me. I was feeling closed in. So I just punched out and retired. <laughs> yeah. Not another word from her at that's, all.
1: That's funny. <laughs> I mean,
0: because if she's going to start her um, liberal Karen – Mess. I mean, what's she gonna say to that?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Shut her down. That's funny. But yeah, um. So my great. I may not uncle, know how to
0: talk to people, but I know how to shut it down in a hurry. Yeah,
1: that's right. I may know how to make them want to stop talking to you.
0: It's the difference between charming and revolting.
1: Yeah. I I want to tell you something after the call. I probably can't say it on air here, but um yeah you know it's interesting so we had uh my great uncle um came up and he did a couple years ago from i don't know if he lives in california or nevada but anyways he was a doctor for years uh i think he finally gave up his license he quit practicing he's he like 80 something and uh he's like 90 some now drives himself up but it's so weird because he comes up and visits family i guess there's a funeral up here He's allowed to drive across the border, but the Canadian government won't let Canadians drive across the border. (laughs) Isn't that dumb? Oh, but then he's allowed to come up here. He's got to quarantine for X number of days, Uh, do his tour. I think he's gonna do like 10 days, two weeks of driving around visiting family here in BC, and then he can drive back home. But if I wanna go drive down to the States, not allowed to.
0: I just heard, I don't know where it was, um, but I just heard this yesterday must've been on the radio, Uh, a guy, young guy, he has dual citizenship, Canadian and American. And to go home and see his family in Canada, he has to use his American passport, Mm -hmm. but he can't come back through the same uh, border crossing that he used to get there. He has to use a different one Mm. and no explanation of why. That's weird. I'm like, well, aren't you infecting more people? Yeah. If you're using more than one port of entry. Yeah. Just saying.
1: Um. Yeah, it's so. I wish I. I don't know. It's it's incredible the damage that can be done with false information. You know, because the biggest problem with COVID is that people are afraid of it because it's been exploited as way more dangerous than it is. You know what i mean and and everybody for some reason they're just and it's not like if deep down inside they probably are like i'm not sure but it's like no 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 we're gonna just act like what we've been told they said it was scary you know we had to stay we weren't allowed to leave our houses for a while and you know this was shut down and it was a big freaking deal and now the numbers are going up again what's well, called the flu season retard it's, you know and so the headline there's one yeah they're all and
0: covid 19. Almost as bad as toxic masculinity, but nowhere near
1: as bad as Trump. Yes. <laughs> you know, and it's just, oh, I find it so frustrating. Like, so there's a brewery, a local brewery here. And according to the government, they're not, they are not—they have to check for your proof of vaccination. And the one thing that, that I, I feel bad for these restaurants is that if they're ever caught not following this new mandate, it's a hundred thousand dollar fine to the business. That's pretty freaking steep, especially for a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like dude, but they put a post on, on social media about it. And it's like, I don't know. I'm just like, wow. And and I felt like commenting on like, so basically what you're saying is no Jews allowed. Right. So I have a belief system if, even if it's wrong. If I believe that vaccines are bad, all of vaccines, all modern medicine, what about Mormons, right? Mormons don't use any modern medicine. Some of them won't even take blood transfusions. So what about them? So now because of their religious beliefs.
0: Canadian Mormon and American Mormon must be different.
1: Or is it, or JW, Jehovah's Witnesses.
0: Jehovah's Witnesses and Latter-day Saints. I mean, uh. Okay. not, uh, not Latter-day Saints, Um, Seventh-day Adventist.
1: They Seventh Adventists aren't that weird. Well, not, no, they're not, weird, but um not like JWs and Mormons.
0: But the Mormon buddies I had, you know, go to go to the doctor, take medicine.
1: Okay, it's JWs or Jehovah's Witness then.
0: Now, they could also not be as devout Mormon as they say they
1: are. I think I don't I think Mormon is Mormon. I've met a lot of Mormons. I know a lot of Mormons. We have big Mormon temples here. And if you're a Mormon, you're made. <laughs> Mormons somehow are all very, very successful. Uh, but uh, anyways, there's one. Maybe it's JW's then where they can't have any medical intervention. But who, regardless, you know, so based on their religious perspective, they are not allowed into uh, a restaurant, right? This is exactly the same thing as the Holocaust, as, as Nazi Germany, exactly, exactly. It's just a different religion, a different people group that's being discriminated against. And it's all, the only reason that these stupid idiotic businesses would comply with this is because they're so stupid, they kept drinking the Kool-Aid and they're afraid of things. You know, that that's just, it's blown my mind at how unbelievably efficient propaganda is. It's incredible. It's like, wow, like legit, people are afraid of COVID. They need not be it's not scary it's not dangerous it's a flu it's going to kill people that could very well have died without covid if they just got the regular flu two years ago and the condition they're in today they would have died that they're a human body that's functioning poorly and it's like oh this whole thing has made it worse people are now fatter thanks to the pandemic. that's how it is you know it's pathetic you know it's funny watching tv shows where they took a break and come back you even watch hollywood has put on weight <laughs> i'm not joking it's so funny like oh wow that that actress she she literally put on 30 to 40 pounds like she was never small but she's a porker now and various shows that we watch when they come out with their new season some of them are starting to come out now i'm like oh wow pandemic hasn't been good to that person
0: and i haven't figured out yet how the pandemic caused me to lose weight because I didn't go anywhere and didn't leave the house before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and I haven't gone out or left the house since.
1: <laughs> well, because but I've gained weight. You've gained weight or lost oh, weight?
0: Yeah. Um, about fifteen pounds, yeah. 15 pounds. But since uh, September eighth, when I found out that blood work, um, I've lost seven. So oh, good job it's wonder it's it's crazy what giving up fruit
1: loops will do for you (laughs) yeah that's funny
0: oh my god dude i found out just i've always known this right your long post on social media do not get read but now you know who reads it because i posted something on my facebook for my friends and family about what's going on with my health Mm -hmm. because i've been really quiet lately Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and Finally, after all these months, somebody, hey, what's going on with you? And uh, so I posted something, and then the people that hit like, I know didn't read it, because it's not a positive post. Mm. Either that or you want me to die. I wanted to.
1: That's crazy.
0: And, uh, oh God, the woman at uh, uh, CT scan yesterday, because I had not only the uh, contrast that you drink, I had the uh, radioactive iodine,
2: mm-hmm.
0: two doses of it. And, uh, for a 11 second CT scan, weird. Oh, wow. To, yeah. Um, and that's the first time I've ever had any kind of reaction mm-hmm. and it's cause I had both mm. and probably cause my liver's bad, but, uh, all it did was you're supposed to be able to, you know, feel a little tingling in your arm when they inject it. And then you taste that weird taste had none of that my face felt like it caught on fire oh wow uh, which i know i'm at least somewhat allergic to uh, like uh alcoholic beverages
2: because
0: mm. when i start to drink i get my face feels super warm mm. uh, and it's not just the normal ooh tingly warm because uh, it's just my face
2: mm. yeah
0: and uh one of my doctors a long time ago, he's like, oh, do you drink? Um, No. Well, you look like you do. I was born with these cheeks, dude. <laughs> you know, I was born with red cheeks. I'll die with red cheeks. Um, and alcohol ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know, I drank like a fish for like a couple of months in my life. Uh, but other than that. Yeah. When we moved into this house, when I bought the house, I bought a 12 pack of Miller Lite. I still have it, you know, about eight of them. So, yeah, gotcha. They're probably bad by now, but
1: yeah. You yeah, know, I um, stopped, like, I, I like I like beer. And uh, so for September, I was like, you know, we're just going to drink way less. And uh, Steph and I would do Wine Wednesday. And, just changing that, like we've been exercising and it's funny. Cause I'm, I'm actually better shaped at like now than I was pre pandemic. And I, I think the reason for that is, uh, a lot of times when I'm frustrated with what I see and, and this whole thing's just pissed me off this entire thing. Cause I just, I don't know, I feel like, why aren't people seeing what's going on here and a good way to deal with anger. Like if I'm frustrated, I'll be like, okay, you know, I'm just gonna go for a run and it's so good because. I'm not suppressing my feelings, right? I'm using those to fuel, but then I'm also, when I'm done running, I'm like, ah, whatever. You know, people are, the the world's fully retarded and everyone's really stupid and it's full of sheeple. Oh, it's okay. I feel great. I had my run and I can just, you you can let it out kind of without having to let it out. Right? Like, oh, you go run and you think about this stuff when you run, eventually you're like, you know what? I'm not going to change anything here. Who cares? You know, let, let everyone be dumb (laughs) and nobody's getting out of this world alive anyway. So what the heck? And Somebody uh, told
0: me once, a running coach told me once, you can't run as far if you're angry.
1: Maybe not, but you can run faster. He
3: said, you
0: can't, uh, you know, you basically you're, you can't last as long if you're trying to run angry. Uh, yeah. He goes, and your um, likelihood of just falling off your feet, you know, tripping over nothing while you're running is greater Running angry.
1: I don't know. That sounds like some old school weird thing. Like, don't go swimming up.
0: He really did have some science behind it. And it all has to do with your attention span, you know, your attention to detail. Yeah. Because more of your brain is used angry or at least different part of your brain is used different, angry over happy. And since he's told me this, I've learned that that's all complete nonsense because you use about 60% more genuine mass uh happy on enjoy than you do in anger
1: mm-hmm. yeah no i i mean i don't know and, and everybody's different too right like running is one of these weird things that people try and put these hard fast rules to and it's like and even myself like i'm not really into running but for like 20 years i've ran on and off and in the beginning of those 20 years like when we were first married like doing marathons you know training all summer long for races. And you know, back then the things they would tell us about shoes, Oh, you need the most cushion, the most support, the most, this, the most, that. And then all of a sudden comes out, Oh, you don't want any barefoot running is the best way to go. And then this and this, and I'm just looking at it and all these coaches and these articles and these experts are telling you this I've seen, I've seen the popular opinion of what the experts say on shoes change about three times in 20 years because I've been staying, this some like, you know, you guys really don't know. <laughs> and maybe you find what works for you. I guarantee there's people that can run farther angry than they could if they're just relaxed, because it's a fuel. It's
0: it's like every other always or never rule. Yeah, it exactly. It depends on you. And um,
1: when I'm angry, my senses are heightened, right? Like when I'm angry, I'm like, oh. like it's because I'm feeling, most likely because I'm feeling threatened or something like that. But I, I guarantee I'm probably less likely to trip on a route if I'm angry than if I'm just, ah, oh, I feel so good. I'm out for a run today because I'm not hyper-focused. All my senses go up when I'm frustrated, when I'm angry.
0: When I think of nothing, what, back when I used to run, before I wised up, um, if I focused on nothing but the run, and, oh, there's a li- there's a rock, there's you know, and didn't think of anything like, oh, work or home or uh, whatever, mm-hmm. I ran a lot faster and better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But if I tried to, if I had a problem at work and I was like, man, how do I fix this airplane? You know, what's wrong? And I tried to troubleshoot it in my head, smack right into a branch. Because mm. I'm not paying attention to, literally to what's in front of my face.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm worried about that hydraulic leak in the wing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's different for everybody.
0: It is. Um, you know. It's <laughs> like the shoes thing. I had certain shoes that I love to run in when I was 20 and certain shoes I like to limp around in when I'm 54. So yeah, or will be 54.
1: Yeah. I, um, When I started running, I, I would buy Asics gel Keanos and like probably one of the most expensive, um, off the shelf running shoes you can get. I think like I was paying like 225 bucks a pair and you know they tell you oh 500 miles all shoes are good for so i'd be buying like two pairs three pairs of these a year and i was like man now i found this uh way less expensive running shoe that i like and i think i get it for like 90 bucks and i actually like it better and i'm like well this was dumb like i probably bought those gel kianos like regularly for like five years while i was actively running it's like, oh, well, I was told that I had to do this. And no, I'm like, I'm just going to try this. Cause I, I was going to get back into running. I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy $220 shoes. Cause I don't even know if I'm going to keep it up for more than a day. So I bought some cheap shoes. I mean, good. Like they're new balance. They're an actual running shoe, but one of the lower tiered ones. I'm like, wear them. These things are the best. And I bought another pair as a different brand, but like a low tiered shoe. Oh, wow. These things are actually really good. I can run just fine. in these. like, it's so funny.
0: Yeah. I- I tried to stay away from the, um, the patented old man shoe for a long time. Yeah, and I finally bought a pair of New Balance. <laughs> yeah. Oh my
1: God! <laughs> You're wearing those, Todd.
0: <laughs> oh no! I but the first pair of New Balance I bought were, uh, you can't even buy them anymore. They're discontinued. They're um, tactical low tops. They mm. look they're same size as a sneaker, but they're as durable as a and waterproof as a tactical boot. Mm. Awesome. They were awesome when I was uh, training and shooting all the time. And then just working around the, the homestead here, they're great. I wish I could find them, uh, like new old stock of them, but mm-hmm. nope, nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other ones I wear are literally the old man New Balance, the sneakers, yeah. the 624s. Yeah. That's
2: but
0: funny. But they're the most comfortable things ever. Now, their durability absolutely sucks. Oh, All really? right. Souls will start coming unglued after about a year and a half. But huh. Not bad.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're wearing those, Todd, right on. <laughs> I had to <laughs> look them up. <laughs> He's rocking the 624s.
0: Yep. Just white and navy blue old man New Balance.
1: That's just, funny.
0: They come with a pair of cargo shorts and a polo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: calf-high white socks, white tube socks.
1: Yeah, tube socks. So. Yeah, tube socks. <laughs> right I on. I refuse to
0: wear. That's in the funny. winter, if I'm wearing my boots, I wear you know, up-to-the-knee socks because I can't stand anything feeling like it's falling down my leg.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Just
0: can't stand it.
1: <sighs> That's funny.
0: Right and on. In the summertime, I wear the, the no-show socks. Yeah, yeah footies, as we used to call
1: them. Yeah, You know, I never, I had never seen those until I'd gone down to the States. Like, like in Canada, I've never seen anybody wear them, never seen them for sale. And then I remember like down in the States, in the Southern States, these people have these socks that are like, even with their sneakers with the top. I'm like, what yeah. the heck? And I'm like, is your toe all bunched up or something? I'm like, no, no that's, I'm like, oh, I think. So I we think, don't
0: get a farmer tan on our leg.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think we didn't have those. I may be wrong. because. But I think we didn't have those in Canada until like the 90s. I don't know. I I think no
0: one had them until about the 90s. Okay, except women.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those are great for running and stuff. I like them.
0: They're awesome. They're great for sandals too.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's right. That's the cardinal rule. I'm not allowed to wear socks (laughs) with sandals, especially if they're flip flops. You know where the goes between your toes?
0: Oh, I can't stand those. I wear the sandals. Yeah. I've never liked the between your toes things.
1: Yeah, I love them. I hate them. That's funny. When I was a kid, I didn't like them. But, oh, anyways, oh, dude, I should get to work. But we are having like this craziest weather lately. Yeah,
0: like, I'm surprised I was able to have internet and electricity this morning, as bad as that storm was. Oh,
1: really? You guys have storms?
0: Well, it's been raining here every day for about two weeks, except for oh, wow. one day. Um, Yesterday, we had no rain in the forecast, poured like a banshee in the afternoon, Um, and it rained on and off until sometime before I got up this morning at 4 a.m., and then it just wind out of probably 45-mile-an-hour gust, pouring down rain sideways. It was horrible.
1: Oh, wow. That sucks. Yeah, we had – so we've already had, like, minuses, like a minus one – this morning I woke up and there's a beautiful sunrise and it was 13 degrees Celsius yesterday, I think like in the afternoon was gotta be like 26, 27. And, uh, like I went for a little motorbike ride, had to pick up sandpaper and stuff and I took my light jacket and I haven't worn that for like a month. Uh, the way, cause if I wear my regular one, I'm just sweating and I'm like, Oh man, this is just phenomenal. Really digging this. It's exciting.
0: You know, when I first experienced it, I didn't like it, but now, i I did learn to like it. I really much, and now I miss it. Up in Montana, those uh, days when you get a fifty degree, fifty five degree temperature shift, mm-hmm. uh, awesome.
1: Oh yeah, it's not yeah. good
0: for anything else, but you know,
1: it's a fun experience. Like cold in the morning, and then you know, hot in the afternoon. And then some, in the evening, it just, man, it cools off quick. If you're sitting on the porch, you're fine one moment. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, I need a sweater. And then 10 minutes later, it's like, I'm going in now. <laughs> well, I better get to work, Todd. I got a bunch of knives to grind the handles on today. And try to get a knife video out again this week. We'll see if we can do that or not. But uh, so you're heading out tomorrow then? Yep. Right on. Well, you guys have a safe trip.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm, it's not going to be on my normal rush, rush, rush everywhere trip.
1: Yeah, don't fall asleep at the wheel.
0: And then uh, <laughs> I think after this one, sometime before the first of the year, I want to go on a trip to Missouri and just take our time. No highways, just all back roads. Yeah. Go back to where we used to live uh, in Warrensburg, Missouri, where Whiteman Air Force Base is. See the old house, eat at the old restaurants, and just come back.
1: Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. That'd be fun.
0: And then maybe next year, work on hitting the uh, Minnesota State Fair. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll be allowed to go down then. For fair food.
1: Yeah. We'll do it. I think
0: 2022 or 2023, I hope he doesn't die, but after Pepper, I mean, Benny passes away. I think we're going to do a state fair food tour. Oh, that'd be fun. When you try to lose a bunch of weight and just be smart about it. Um, yeah. But you have, you know, a bite of this, bite of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. Because I love
0: watching that fair food TV show on Food Network.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. It's so good. All righty. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll catch you on the next week.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, folks. Bye-bye.